Welcome to Every Step Podcast. I'm Christina Weston. And I'm Judith Beck. Every Step is the podcast where career and life meet. With a new guest every episode, we explore the gutsy issues affecting everyone in the workplace. In this episode, we are joined by Dr. Louise Mailer. Louise is recognized as a global guru in both body language and communication. Her skills as a master practitioner in neuro-linguistic programming, together with her academic study and a decade of professional performance on the European opera stage, put her in a league of her own. In our conversation, we discuss the mind-body-voice connection and how critical it is for communicating effectively. Welcome, Louise. It's great to have you here. And today we're going to talk about communication in the work environment. And, uh, you know, we're finding it extremely difficult these days to communicate effectively. And um, all of us have run businesses and we've recruited people and we've done presentations and that type of thing. And the communication world is changing. But is it really? Is it really? So do the old things work better are they tried and true? Or, you know, one of the things, Louise, I wanted to ask you about was, you know, communicating, you know, with body language. The whole area of body is just out of our realm at the moment, um, to the point where we stand behind lecterns, we block it off, we get onto Zoom, we get rid of our body. Bodies communicate, we can't get rid of them. And what people don't realise is that the, the body goes to the mind, but the mind goes to the body, it goes both ways. And if you actually get your body under control, you'll often find your mind will follow. Yeah, it's really interesting. Before coming into this call, I, I had a difficult conversation I had with someone and I had all these nerves in my, in my, in my stomach. My stomach was rumbling and I had to practice my opening line because I wanted to make sure I, it landed the way I intended for it to land. But my body was, I was feeling it viscerally. I was feeling the, the almost the uncomfortableness of what might happen as opposed to what actually did happen. Yes. Yeah, so the point is, <laughs> you know, I say to people, so you've got that discomfort and that's often where the thinking finishes and people say, oh, they come to me and they go, oh, I get nervous. And I'm like, uh, yeah, okay, get in line. Yeah. We all get nervous. This happens. My question to you is what happened? What exactly was the feeling? And then what were your strategies to overcome it if that was not a suitable way to be feeling? It was going to be negative um, and, and put a negative impact on the on the engagement. Yeah. Go further than, yes, this happens to me, but now what am I going to do about it? Deep breaths. Well, no, I don't do deep breaths. That's a disaster in pain. Oh, really? Because you hyperventilate, is that what happens? Well, what happens is under panic, people don't realise that in the body, the arms jam, the diaphragm jams. So now if I take a deep breath in a panicked state, what happens is the breath goes into my upper body. So I'm going to lift up. Now I look stressed. So not yeah. only am I stressed, you know I'm stressed because I look stressed. Sometimes. And you're holding yourself so tightly. Yeah. And um, and so, therefore, in singing, we used to talk, about, and, of course, it squashes the voice and it blocks oxygen so your brain doesn't work. But in singing, we used to talk about people would wind up if they're panicked. So they'd take a deep breath in, take another deep breath, take another deep breath, 
take another deep breath. And they're not actually exhaling though. No, what we don't. We just keep bringing tension into the body. So it's not that breathing in is a bad thing. It's that most of us don't know how to breathe in. Therefore, under panic, you cannot use breathing in as a strategy. And I put it to you, if that works for you, go crazy. You know, if something works, we go crazy. But it doesn't work for many people, and I hear them saying that's the strategy they're using. So how do you get... Because we all have to have difficult conversations and, and we know we, we're, we've had a number of conversations with other other guests and there's the tendency for people not to have conversations. It's all now texting or avoidance techniques or people aren't actually having face-to-face conversations. So how do we... Um, how do we get our bodies and our message and our words in alignment so that we can have authentic conversations and be true to ourselves but not offend the other? That's a big question. It's a big ask. <laughs> I'm grabbing the screen. I'm going, ah, ah, ah. We have forgotten how to speak, how to initiate sound, how to get sound out of our bodies to the point where people actually are not making sound. And and the phrase I'm hearing is not, I can't make sound. People are saying, I've lost my confidence. That's what is being said. I've lost my confidence. Well, you lost your relationship to your body and your and your voice and your ability to make sound so but we've lost our relationship with ourselves in that because we've lost connection if we've lost connection to our body and our ability to make sounds and we're in we're kind of feeling insecure or worried we've lost our sense of self in some ways correct so um they say vocal dynamics echo psychodynamics um, psychodynamics, echo, vocal dynamics, it goes back the other way. So I see it as the mind-body-voice connection. Um, the mind impacts the body, impacts the voice. Now, we can we can um, intervene at any one of those points, the mind, the, the body, or the voice. The issue is that most people try to intervene at the mind, and it's too slow. They intervene mm. at the mind, and they – so, yes, we do lose ourselves. So then we go away and go – Wow, how do I get myself back? You know, oh, I don't have time. Guess what? Your team are in front of you next Tuesday at two. Um, I don't have time to discuss with you the relationship with your mother and, you know, childhood trauma and how that's affected you today. Don't have time. So we go to the body and we hear it in the voice. And you can undo the body once you know what's happening to the body. And that requires a connection. I mean, this is a particular area of interest to me around body. I have a I have a belief system that the your emotions and your body is connected. And I know for me, if I'm feeling unwell, it's generally as a result of unresolved emotion for for me personally. Um, and it is it takes work to listen to your body because most people. Um, most people don't hear what their body is telling them. They're not tuned to listen to their body. And anybody listening to this is probably thinking I'm speaking some gobbledygook garbage, but we, we're not taught that. 
And we're not. It's completely left out of our education. So it's nobody's fault that we get ourselves in this state because it's a gap in our education. And we're not taught it. We're not, it's not raised to our awareness. It's stripped from us, stripped from us, stripped from us. And, um, you know, we, so people have no idea. I'll ask the question, do you speak on the breath in or the breath out? Yeah, see, if you have to think about that. I'm thinking about it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Lost connection. If you have to think about it, we speak on the breath out. You can't possibly, you, you can speak on the breath. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Absolutely. That makes sense. But from a practical point of view, but dealing with 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 clients and people and employees and communicating to them, because a lot of times now we are doing Zoom meetings and we are losing that face-to-face -face ability, um, that effectiveness of human contact and being able to connect with people is a lot harder these days. So in a case like this, so for instance, if I'm meeting you for the first time or I'm meeting a client for the first time mm -hmm. and I'm trying to connect with you over Zoom mm -hmm. and, you know, are there some you know, some things that people do better than others when they're doing that. I know, you know, the obvious of looking at the camera and things like that, but what are the big mistakes that people make when they're trying to connect with their colleagues or their boss or their client these days in this new way of communicating? I mean, my first choice would be out there seeing the client face to face, but the reality of that is something different. <laughs> You know, Judith, I think the KPI of success for 2023 and beyond has to be those who can meet face-to-face -face and make it work. And when it comes to making it work, um, it was interesting the other day I had a, um, a lady who I was recommended to her and came on the uh, Zoom and really didn't want to be there and gave all the signs, sort of looking away, yeah, I'll have a, yeah, thanks, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, like this. And I'm like, bang, I'm in. Um, you know, I'm going to eye contact, eye contact. We have to know how to do it. Now you're going to go, oh, what, Louise, you just stare at people. No, no. So obviously there's more to it than that. But the key is eye contact, knowing what to do, when, for how long, in what way, all of those things. But eye contact is critical. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I used to always say that all the time when I was interviewing. I used to tell candidates, make sure you go in there and have eye contact, but don't lose that eye contact either. If there's if there's a couple people in there, make sure you share the, share the love <laughs> so they both feel included. Well, uh, people have said to me, I'm good at eye contact, so I'll do a test with them and I'll ask them several questions. And I usually only have to get to question three before they uh, go off. Now, uh, you know, that's... But some people find that confronting. Like some people find eye contact very confronting. Christina, we're talking about Western culture, so we're keeping it in Western culture. Mm -hmm. Western culture, it's a rule, eye contact. And I'll tell you how much I care whether you find it confronting or not. I don't care. I don't care. You know, <laughs> really, really, let me see how much I care. You I don't. don't. <laughs> <laughs> These, oh, yeah, I do, yeah. <laughs> Did you hear them? You're not making the rules. Um, and, uh, and of course, then culturally, you know, it changes. So know the rules in different cultures. But yeah. 
I have a phrase, the amateur practices till they get it right, the professional practices till they can't get it wrong. And if you're shifting your eyes on question number three about the colour of your car, how are you going to go, Judith, in those interview questions when somebody says, do you really want this job? You go, well, maybe. At a networking event before Christmas, um, and it was an all-women networking event, and it became a game for me. I'd walk around to people and I'd go, hi, hi, and what do you do? And then I'd stand there and see how long they could carry on without showing up and just thinking, which part of this do you think is interesting? Which part <laughs> is interesting? And then my game challenge was to look like I was interested. All oh, right, really? Wow. Now, there was one person, there were five people standing around. I said, what do you do? And she started one drifted away, two drifted away, three drifted away. So in the end, by the time she got to say, and my third business is, I was the only one standing there. And I'm literally standing there going, do you not realise what you've just done to your audience? No awareness, nothing, gone, you know, and, and in that situation, I have to hold myself back. You know, I want to go, listen, darling, let's go over here and have a chat. But I don't because I think, Louise, not your role, not your role here in the networking event. <laughs> don't do it, don't do it. It's very tempting that, well, you know, there's one girl, um, she was head of legal and she didn't know how to do her elevator pitch you know tell people when they asked her what what you do she had trouble with it and her girlfriend said I know exactly what you should say you should if people ask you hello how you know uh, hello how are you what do you do you should just simply say I keep the company out of trouble that's it yeah why and that would be enough to get them to ask more and mm-hmm. that was her elevator pitch from then on as far as what, because some people just go on and on and on. <laughs> hey, one of the things I want to talk about is tone, because tone gets us in trouble all the time. I mean, I know it gets me in trouble because people have told me over the years I have a tone and that could be construed as, you know, I've asked for something and it hasn't been happy. <laughs> I think when you're outcomes focused, you can fall into that trap. And I've been guilty of that myself. Yeah, okay, so I think it's contextual and it depends on rapport and relationship. Um, so this morning I had an issue where um, the, there was somebody coming for cleaning and they were coming on the wrong day and I am um, very, very busy. So I just go, Wednesday not, you know, <laughs> Wednesday not. And they know I'm busy and I have rapport and therefore I get away with it. I think that... Um, we have this where we all have to be perfect all the time. No, look, once you've got rapport with people, so for instance, um, you've got rapport and you're sort of fiddling with your nose and, I don't know, picking your ear or something really unsuitable, but you've got rapport scratching your head, you can get away with it. And then suddenly you say, oh, Louise, I think that's rubbish. Okay, boom, pencils down, hands away, as my grade seven teacher used to say. (laughs) You know, I need to go back to my position where there's an issue, there's no rapport. So it varies on the context, the amount of rapport. I think we've become a little bit woke if we have to be joy and happiness and if it's okay with you, if you wouldn't mind all the bloody time. Because it's not, it's not realistic. It's not authentic. It's not realistic. And then people call the bullying card. Bullying. But what struck me with your tone, Judith, what you said, I get feedback, it's my tone. Does that mean? 
Well, because I come across as like, um, because with managing staff over the years, I, I become a more directive and it sounds different to them. And I sorted it out years ago, but. Is different because you have no action from that. They haven't told you which tone, what you're doing, how it comes across. An example, you have nothing to act on. It's like people who say to me, oh, I need more confidence. People tell me I need more confidence. I go, really? You can't buy confidence. So how is that actionable? And then you said, um, I don't make an impression in the right way. Again, not actionable feedback. You walk out of there going, I don't make an impression the right way. Therefore, I'm going to have to knife myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually went to the girl who actually complained, the girl that complained, and I said to her after, I said, look, if 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 I say something to you and you don't like the tone, I don't think I have a tone. I don't think I sounded that way. I was, I was hurried. I was more concerned about the customer. I said, if you don't like the way that I'm speaking, don't go and tell somebody on it. Tell me. Stop me in my tracks and say, Judith, are you okay? Well, is there something wrong, right? What did your last slave die of? Like, like directions <laughs> like that. <laughs> I can take it. I can take it. I don't need, you know, I'm not going to get all sensitive about it. But what I would, I would much prefer someone tell me that then than go off on a tangent because nip it in the bud as it happens. Two issues. One is, um, we don't know what we're feeding back on. So when we're giving things like you make the wrong impression or you have the wrong tone, not actionable, what what exactly was it? That's the issue. Two is we don't give feedback. So and the feedback. Yeah, we don't give feedback. We're scared to give feedback. We don't know how to give feedback. Um, and we also believe that feedback is personal. Therefore, if I give you feedback or I'm making the assumption because you had a, a maybe a tighter tone that you are horrible and therefore <laughs> you can't change that, you're horrible. That's right. Actually, it was just a tone caused by stress that gave the perception of aggression, but wasn't. So what is it that we could do under those circumstances? Then we make a, you know, it's not personal feedback. It's habitual pattern feedback, which is something we need to give. Yeah, so I, I agree. We need to be okay with giving it and receiving it. But be specific about it. Yeah. Not like you need more confidence. Your tone is horrible. Or when you did the, When you did this. It landed in this. But often, often it's our own misconception. Like it's our stuff that we're dealing well, that's with. That's why we can never use the word you. It's never when you did this. It's when I heard this. This was my experience of yeah, this. When I heard this. Yeah, that's good. Done anything. You know, you were living your life. Yeah. The was that she had, because possibly a past experience, an aggressive father, whatever it was, had a certain experience. Um, right, let's own that now. Um, can we talk about Harry? Anyway, um, you know, let's own this. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about him. But we are very, we are very walking on eggshells, and this has come up in a number of our conversations. It's it's in corporate life. We're all walking on eggshells, um, trying not to offend being super cautious about all the things that we're not allowed to do or say. And, and I think that's caused many of us to retreat and actually go, I don't know what's right. I don't know what's wrong. Therefore I'll do nothing. And we they don't have the, they don't have the people. Well, that person that told me that manager that told me I was aggressive did me the biggest favor in the world because it made me 
self-aware and think about the way, because I came from a culture where we called everybody from their last name into a culture where everybody was open and, you know, that type of thing. But he would never in a million years be able to pull someone, a woman aside and say, you're being aggressive. Today that would land that would land him. He would, he, one, he wouldn't do it because I had lots of feedback from men who say they are so scared, not just men, but women too, are so scared of giving feedback to employees because they're worried about bullying across wrong. And that's why I encourage so many people to get mentors and advocates outside their organizations so that they can get real feedback because the, you know, I, real feedback is what makes you grow. You know, there's no point telling someone they're fabulous and everything's wonderful if they if if they're not. I'd rather hear the negative and then I can choose whether or not I accept it. <laughs> you were a special person to be able to translate that comment about aggression and actually change your behavior. Because no doubt what happened is under stress, we're back to the diagram, all roads lead to Rome. Back to the diagram, Jan. The breath comes high. What happens is any tension around the neck um, will tighten the throat. Well, we'll tighten the throat and make it aggressive, you know, to the extreme. Yes. There. But that's what happens. So you go, ah, oh, I was stressed, stopped my breath, squashed the throat, a tight tone gets interpreted as aggressive. Um, yeah. Therefore, I need to keep my breath down, keep my throat open, keep the sound. Um, but not many people even know what's happening to know what they can do to solve that problem. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing is, is that the culture that he was telling me I was coming into, I wanted that. I was like, because he's going, you need to get to know people and you need to stop and, you know, say, you know, say hello. And But I had come from a culture where nobody even talked to each other. Danger, danger, danger. Um, danger, danger. So <laughs> I, I know an, an organisation where they're all caring, sharing, and their jobs are caring, sharing. And yet 50% of the staff at any one time were off on sick leave. On There's something leave. wrong there. Yeah, because they somehow... I don't know, the organisation had attracted people who themselves had issues and needed to deal with it and uh, there's some sort of psychology there about the more sort of, oh, yeah, this is open, caring, sharing, the more they need open, caring, sharing and you have to be super open, caring, sharing with them. Then you get high dependencies and people who can't cope with constructive feedback. Yeah. And then everybody's very precious and then people get upset and have sick days because they're stressed. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And then, you know, at the end, at some point you have to say, this is work. (laughs) You're here. Like, this is a job. This is work. Why are you happy? It's a lot of pressure. So do it now. Yeah. (laughs) So how, you know, there's tons of stuff out there, obviously, about their books and videos and everything about um, body language and what you should do and what should, how do you decipher, especially like in an interview or a situation um, between someone who's trained up on all the cues of what to do, you know, they don't do their hands, they, everything, they do everything according to the book, but that's not them. How do you how do you decipher between the real person? Now you need a lie detector. And the train <laughs> <laughs> that's right, exactly right. Do they 
No. Oh, we're not. Okay. So um, very few people have the skills to be an actor. We're so afraid of people faking it to make it. Um, you, I put it to you that everything we do is a habitual pattern. Therefore, what's the difference between authentic um, how do you be authentic? Well, we have to recognise, first of all, that most of what we do is not natural. It's habitual. Therefore, everything we do can be changed to a new habit. So there will be a time when we're changing what feels very comfortable and therefore feels natural to and authentic uh, to a new skill to make that feel natural and therefore be authentic. Um, and we're talking about something totally different, which is someone who's just faking it um, to make it. Uh, it's very rare. It's very rare. It's a special skill. Um, and I don't think we need to worry about it. I, I think our big skill is to look through people um, and when they're doing everything wrong and think, is this because they're bad, disinterested, um, not capable, or is it because they've had no training whatsoever? Yeah. As a pattern that is destroying them. And there's actually talent underneath all of this. We don't look for intention. We look we look to judge as a culture, I think. We don't look for intention. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, Louise, if you were advising a young person coming into the workplace today, what, what advice would you be giving them about communication and body language and the skills that they should learn to become a master leader and communicator? rhetoric rhetoric means the skills of actually structuring what you're saying but also the body voice skills that go with it that is part of rhetoric today we see it because the information is lost um, in documentation uh, we see it as just being the structure of what we say but 80 percent of it was actually the delivery of body and voice so get back to these skills which have been left out of your education often I'll say to people even uh, so what are you going to say and they go um well uh well I think uh, what you don't have a structure you don't have a wow and then, and then I go, how are you going to deliver that? They have no delivery skills. I'm like, well, no wonder you've got a problem. Um, so we, we keep, I hear this over and over again, people want to be better at their task, be it accounting, be it whatever it is. They want to be better at that task until women end up 52 times better than anyone else in the world, but nobody gives them any credence because they have no structure in their engagement and no delivery skills. So structure and delivery, the gap, get into that gap, delve into that gap. Yeah. Judith, what about you? What advice would you give? What I would say to, to someone coming into the work environment for the first time, let's say they're going out to their first interview or seeing their first client, nonverbal is very important as well. So, you know, your the behaviors that you have, like getting there on time, don't be late, get yourself um, into that meeting without being stressed running in, that type of thing. And I think eye contact, we talked about that, eye, eye contact is important, smile, um, soft skills, and, you know, being, being authentic as much as you can. I think that's, um, if you think about the things that, how do you want people to respond to you? Think about how you should be responding to them as well. In a, in a, in a way, from a business point of view, keep business skills always in mind as far as I'm going into this meeting, I'm going to meet this person. Like Louise said, have a structure, understand what that is. 
and try to connect with them and, and turn your phone off. Don't go into that meeting with your phone off because the younger ones, obviously, and I hate to say it, and it's going up in age, are so used to communicating on their phone all the time. So do one of the worst things going into a meeting or going into an office is someone being uh, distracted by their phone. That will that will be a big negative in, <laughs> to any possible employer or employee, employee right? I would do that. Oh. Unfortunately, we've lost the art of talking, of speaking. We're we're finding shorthand abbreviations, text messages where we don't bring our humanity into the conversation. And it's it's it saddens me to see that we're losing the art of truly interacting and and communicating, which is a two-way exchange of voice and energy and wisdom and ideas and perspectives. We're just in upper caps. We're just belching out with our two thumbs, sadly. Yeah. And and also, you know, one of the things, especially in interviews as well, is that sometimes people think that when you meet a client or when you meet a potential employer, that you have to agree with every single thing that they say. But the reality is they could also be testing you to see what value you're going to add. So you need to be true to yourself. And if there's something within you know, product they have or whatever that you don't agree with, well, give them the reason why and give them the solution. So if you're always going to disagree with something, then try to give a solution as well to show that you're actually thinking about it. (laughs) But don't think that you have to be a yes person and that you have to, companies want people who are going to add value and think. And bring a different perspective and bring a different perspective. Bring that diversity, bring that different thought, but do it in a way that it's going to add value and that they know that you're thinking about it. I think my advice to add on to Louise's is practice. You can't just do a weekend retreat or a two days course and then go, I've nailed it. I'm going to wing it. This takes practice. Any skill you do takes practice for it to become, it's like you were saying earlier in the conversation, Louise, it's got to become habitual. And if you've been doing things a different way, it's going to take practice for you to get it a way that serves you better. So don't be afraid of practice. Here's a tip. Uh, people don't know how to practice and you need to practice in some sort of context, which means there's no point doing it in the mirror in your own bathroom. Well, there is a point, but it's a minimal point. You need to be out amongst people um, in that kind of situation. So I don't have earphones here, so I'm pretending. But put earphones in and go for a walk and then answer. So why do you want this job, Louise? Well, I have a diverse set of skills. And how that all began was whatever it is. And you're talking here and and you're walking on and people think you're on the phone you're not on the phone you but you have earphones in and so you get away with it um this is a, a really it's i do it well maybe I'm i think doing. that is the absolute best tip ever because when you say something out loud it sounds so different and especially if you're going to do a presentation because everybody thinks they sing well in their head and then they sing out loud and they go oh my god that sounds terrible or that joke is not I'm so flat funny. it's t- I'm tone deaf yeah <laughs> that's right. so say it out loud and I think that's the that's a great tip Louise I love that yeah 
Louise, there's so much more we could learn from this conversation. It's been absolutely fabulous having you on the program. And um, we look forward to catching up with you at some time in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. For more information about Every Step and our guests, head to everysteppodcast.com. To be notified of new podcasts, please subscribe via your favourite listening platform. And of course, follow us on social media and direct message us to share your ideas about guests or topics.